Hello and welcome to the Rainy Day Smut Brigade, the weekly podcast where we read a spicy book and discuss all the juicy parts. I'm Hannah. I'm Allie. And I'm Ashley. And before we get into anything, we want to remind you that this podcast is for mature audiences only. And buddy, do we have something different today. All the monster lovers out there, get ready. This one's for you. Okay, so our book this week is A Soul to Keep by Opal Rain. This is from her Dusk Walker Brides series, and this is a real down and dirty true monster romance. Yes. It's so. my first real true monster romance. Really? Yeah. Wow. Welcome, Hannah. Welcome. I've joined the club. So we are wondering, what is it about monster romance that readers love? What's the appeal? So I actually did a little research. Did you guys know that there's a word for attraction to monsters? Oh. It is teratophilia from the Greek teris, meaning monster, and philia, of course, meaning love, like mm-hmm. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love <laughs> um, or love. Do y'all remember that movie, The Shape of Water from 2017? Mm-hmm. Yes. At one, the like mermaid ish one, uh, yeah, yeah, amphibian man, yeah, it had the amphibian man. It actually won best picture mm-hmm. at the 2018 Academy Awards. It was the second fantasy film to win the category. Can you tell me what the first fantasy film to win the category was? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> Just think about wait, me. give us a hint. Think about me, Lord You're, of the Rings. Which one? <laughs> oh, Return of the King. Yes, you got it. <laughs> I'm so proud of I you. I saw that movie once. Oh, yes. The Return of the King was the first fantasy film to win Best Picture. Mm. And The Shape of Water was next. <laughs> so we did quite It was quite, quite the jump. Yes. Quite the jump. I remember at the time being put off by it. Remember, this is 2018, Ashley. Before mm. the pandemic. Before deconstruction. Before allowing oh. myself. Why were you so put off? by it though <laughs> because they have sex Her oh, and my. Man. oh yes. you were how dare they i Stick know that nose a little farther i mean i wasn't like <laughs> let's boycott the movie or anything like that i was just like that's kind of weird why do we need to show real life in movies yeah, well, like, that's not real actually, life. That's not Hannah. real life because it's no, him. no, it's amphibian. No, it's literal. Amphibian. <laughs> yeah, literally a fan. <laughs> I'm thinking of like the sex aspect of it. How the lizard man people are going to be like, yes, she's yeah. on our side. <laughs> Were you against it because of the sex, or because yeah, there was my sex thing. with a different being? I wasn't necessarily against it. I was just kind of weirded mm-hmm. out by it yeah. because it was sex with an amphibian man. Mm-hmm. And look at where you are. Well, now. I never saw the movie. I never saw. So it now I have questions. Just because. Well, I now never I want to see it. it. I just have like anatomy questions. Yeah, because I've read a couple of amphibian books before, and the the anatomy is kind of odd. I could see that. I could see that. I, I'm almost scared of amphibian. Like I read a mermaid one, and they have like what are the things on a fish called? Gills, scales, gills. Scale, scales. Like a scale moves out of the way, and it like rises up from like mm-hmm. a hole that they have underneath the scale. Is it that different from this? <laughs> what we're reading today? It's kind of like that, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Oh, uh, anyway, I was kind of like, "What the fuck is this?" 
when I first heard about this movie. And of course, like super evangelical Christians were like down in it and whatever. I I don't remember there being controversy around it. You don't it, remember? But I don't really remember much about the movie at all. Yeah. And maybe I am overdoing it because maybe I saw like one article and that was it. <laughs> I don't know. But actually, many people consider teratophilia to include not only humanoid monstrous figures, but monstrous men with some sort of physical deformity. Mm-hmm. So that would include Vane from the Never King oh. or the Phantom from the Phantom of the mm-hmm. Opera. They have scars. I don't. In my head, I can't, I can't put those with these other monsters. Yeah, but it's part of it's part of the category. Mm-hmm. They have um, scars, and they also have a monstrous nature about them. Even Edward Cullen would fall <gasps> into this category simply because he's a vampire. Yeah, hmm. I guess I just don't put them in the same category. Yeah, right? really? in my head. Yeah, th- I mean the thing is that they just look different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I just don't feel think that way yeah you wouldn't and i didn't until i was looking at it and Mm -hmm. researching it a bit it seems from looking around online what particularly women like about this genre of romance is the fact that these male characters are super masculine Mm -hmm. they are protective and fierce that alpha-ish thing that Allie really really loves Mm -hmm. (laughs) but growling yes yeah yeah. but in the end they learn to control Mm -hmm. that side of themselves because of love and use their masculinity appropriately Mm -hmm. they learn to be cautious about their masculinity and strength Mm -hmm. and they actually truly desire intimacy Mm -hmm. which is another thing about them and this contradicts a lot of the toxic masculinity or patriarchal authority Mm -hmm. we see around us and that's what draws us in to these monster romances that's what we find sexually appealing it's why we love the beast in his beast form Mm -hmm. instead of his human form Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i do i would have never thought about it like that but that is so well put yes and it it makes makes me me realize like what i what i love about it is seeing that growth like that's what really draws me in with the story and Mm -hmm. seeing that character's growth that way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah another reason is that monsters tend to be inclusive regarding bodily Mm -hmm. differences Mm -hmm. so you have Mm -hmm. a bad hair day the monster doesn't care because he's always having a bad hair day (laughs) Mm -hmm. he's covered in fur (laughs) they're naturally different than the normal in quotes so the normal doesn't matter to them Mm -hmm. and Uh, they don't see the same like beauty standards as humans do no Mm -hmm. just even if you think about Belle from Beauty and the Beast. She mm-hmm. was an outsider. Think about Christine from Phantom of the Opera. She was mm-hmm. strange. She was hearing an, you know, an angel of music. She's kind of mentally out there. Rhea, from this book we are discussing, she was ostracized. They're different people. They're outsiders, but the monsters don't care and that appeals to the part of us that wants to be accepted no matter what. There's something about these monsters we wouldn't mind transferring into the real world. It might not be their physical form that right. we would actually want, mm-hmm. but rather like their souls. What mm-hmm. do you guys think about that? I have never thought of it about, like in this way, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Like to just think of like having someone who is extremely masculine. Like I, I mean, and I am a feminist at heart, but I do love the whole alpha trope. I love that. Yeah. And um, but then also being able to control that and being very intimate and being very like 
controlled within your own desires and is safe yeah you're Mm -hmm. safe yeah and i think i like the idea of like the female going on that journey with the male Mm -hmm. i think that also draws me in not that i want like the female to have to do all the work but i like seeing that growth and then for me like i would like knowing that i had a part and like being a part of that growth. Yeah. It's because of a love for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. That intimacy is towards you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they love me so much that they're willing to change who they are like deepestly. Yeah. What? I don't think deepestly is a word. <laughs> I, I think we should keep it in though because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like this kind of trip of like this. There's this bad guy and I can change him. Mm-hmm. Right. It's more of like he from the start doesn't really want to hurt. Right. The woman. Mm-hmm. He's he learns to control himself. Mm-hmm. That's, That's so relatable and not in the monster form, but just in like everyday relationships. And I just think of this because my husband and I were having this conversation today. Um, he did something that aggravated me and I just said, I wish you know, you would do this instead. And um, he said, well, that's just not me. I've just never done it that way. And I was like, Ugh. and he was like, but you want, you need me to do it that way. Don't you? And I was like, yes. And it, not, it's completely not a sexual thing. Yeah. It's just something mm-hmm. in marriage. And the way I, I started to say that, I was like, wait a second. That I don't think sexual. we were thinking it was no. sexual. Um, no, we weren't. No, but okay. we know what it was. Yeah, you know <laughs> what it was. Because I vented to you earlier. Um, and he was like, okay, yeah, I can change that. I can do that for you. Was it anything necessarily bad or harmful? No, but it was just something mm-hmm. I needed. And he was willing mm-hmm. to change, you know, or do something different in his life. Mm-hmm. And we see that a lot in monster books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is a lack of self. It's, it's mm-hmm. a selflessness. Right. Mm-hmm. Almost of controlling their natural urges. And I don't mm-hmm. want like to bring up Twilight, but you see Edward do that a lot. I mean, this mm-hmm. whole thing. Is, I think that's what pulled people in. Yeah. That's what pulled people in. He's controlling himself. Like he wants to, mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants to basically suck or dry. I'll just say. And he can't. It wasn't Edward that pulled me in. It was Angelus from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thank you very mm. much. Okay. <laughs> so, no, no. And Allie's It wasn't Angelus. It was Angel. Allie read Dracula when she was four. <laughs> and she was sold. She saw My the, mom was really like, here's a class. She saw the Christopher Lee version. <laughs> Sneaking, watching Interview with a Vampire. Oh, my God. That <laughs> like would be freaked me out. That would be freaked me out. So, you guys, I was wondering, who is your favorite monster to love? Well, are fae monsters? Would a fae be considered part of this? I guess it would depend on their magic or their powers. Like, how monstrous are they? Like, how powerful are they? How powerful are they? Are there des- would they naturally have a desire to destroy in some way? But also, they have to have a physical... They don't have to have a physical, have physical deformity necessarily, but they would have a physical difference. I mean, I love a good vampire... And now I'm into like Faye, but mm-hmm. Faye can um, suck blood. Yeah. So I, one of those, something I can't, I don't know. Rowan. R- I mean, obviously. Or <laughs> um, Edward Cullen. No, I never liked Edward. He annoyed me, but um, I did love Twilight for a time in my life. For me, I've already talked about it, but my favorite monster ever will always be Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> mm. What about Carlisle Cullen? Daddy Carlisle? I hate that ah! man. Ah! I'm going to force you to become a vampire, and then I'm going to send you to high school for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's so terrible. That and was then, the one thing I can't get over now. And then the way they made him look in the movies. Like, oh, you look like the creepiest man 
ever. So I didn't like him in the book and then I didn't like him in the movie. He does look super creepy. Yeah. He really does. Like of all the things hair and makeup could have done. That's that's where they this went. This is where we went. If Charlie was smarter, I would stand Charlie. Charlie, yeah, yeah but he's, but so, he's dumb. so dumb. Yeah, so. But dumb. sometimes I kind of like you when you're dumb. He's like, look at this baby that looks just like you. <laughs> <laughs> Something isn't adding up. The math's not mathing. With the CGI face, on this that baby. was the worst CGI oh I, I have ever seen. At that point in Breaking Dawn, their budget I don't was think huge. I, I don't think I ever watched that one. <gasps> it's, oh, Let's watch we it. need to pull it up for you at some point because that CGI is horrible. That baby is so creepy. Oh, I remember when the those that, when Breaking Dawn came out, and my friends and I like we were really into it together, and so we went and got it right when it was available, like midnight releases and stuff. And then we were like reading it. We spent the whole weekend reading it together, and we were like, "What? What did Jacob what? say? <laughs> what happened with Jacob? What? Oh gosh, so, what what did they call it? The, the imprinting. The imprinting. Yeah." Ugh. Yeah, well, I was, like, I was so pissed. I was so pissed that she combined the names. I was so pissed about the imprinting. Like, mm-mm. so what's your favorite monster? The Phantom of the Opera, one hundred percent. God, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. He's a good one. You, God, good that one. is my second favorite movie of all time. I love. Not only I saw it in New York. Michael took me to see it in New York. Mm, really super fancy. Yes. Oh, super fancy. I've sung many songs. From the musical at recitals, which recitals, <laughs> <laughs> and I simply love it to pieces. And I even read one time. This is super corny and cheesy. I'll tell you about it. His name. I've read the actual novel, the French novel. Mm-hmm. Not it was translated to English because I'm terrible with languages. Because you don't know French. But I'm pretty darn sure if I remember correctly, his name in the book is actually Eric. Mm. And I read. <laughs> Like a fanfic sequel, <laughs> but it was probably like a published on Kindle for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And he ends up going to this village and he converts to Christianity. No, what? Yes, gosh. <laughs> he gosh. falls in love with this woman. Someone make you pay for that? It was a dollar. I, I kind of still do love it though, just because it's the fandom. <laughs> I can't help it. Well, and I think we like want him to have a happy ending. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah, like I don't. I love that, like, watching the movie or something, going to see it. But at the end of the day, I'm still like, but why did she not end up with him? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know yeah. that's not the whole, that's not the point of it. Fuck Raul. I know. Him. Like, I want him to be happy. Yeah. She kissed him, and then he's like, well, this is the part that we like. She kissed him, and then he lets go of all that hatred mm-hmm. because he loves her, mm-hmm. and then he lets them go. <sighs> Heartbreaking. It moves me. <laughs> And he's breaking the windows in the movie. And it's Gerard Butler. And I was obsessed with Gerard Butler. He. Wait. Was uh, that Gerard Butler? Mm-hmm. That's Gerard Butler. Movie, yeah. Oh, my God. It oh, is sexy. Oh, Ooh, I'm so excited sexy. that you just found that out. Oh. <laughs> it is like deep I am just now putting that together. Ma'am. It is Gerard. You believe us now? can't believe she's like having a look i can't believe she's having a look it up what yes bitch no yes i i am shook yes he is i was he's so young in it yeah i was obsessed with him for so long (sighs) me too i didn't even know he was a thing until way past that 
because this came out uh, like a little bit after 300. So it was at the high. Yeah, we it was in Gerard Butler. It was in 2004. We in high yeah. Yeah, we were in like yeah. ninth. For eighth, freshman. Eighth or ninth grade. Yeah. Like if it was in the spring of 2004, we I were knew, freshmen. um I mean, we were. The girl, grade. Emmy Rossum, Rossum. Mm-hmm. How do you say She's that? in that show. Um, Shameless. 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 Yeah, yeah, I knew about her. We, she's in one of my favorite movies, The Day After Tomorrow. I know y'all can cringe and laugh at me for that. I, 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 I can that watch that movie. movie? It's no. like the end of the world. It's like one of those end of the world apocalypse. I might have seen it. I, I would say it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I would say I, I Martin and I have just seen it so many times. We we just love it, so we always watch it. It's just one of those. It's one if of those, it's on, yeah. Oh, I we, love we just lots of movies it, you know? that aren't actually good movies. All right, we're gonna go to a break, but when we come back, we are going to read an interview we had with opal rain and share our thoughts about a soul to keep All right, we're back. A couple weeks ago, I got in touch with Opal Rain and asked if she would be interested in answering some questions. Opal, thank you. You were so generous in your responses, and we couldn't be more pleased. I'm going to read the questions I asked her, and Allie, I'll let you read the responses. Big responsibility. Big responsibility. Can you talk in an Australian accent? Because Opal's Australian. I wish I could. (laughs) I would make an embarrassment of myself if I tried. So let's just stick to our (laughs) southern dialect. Yes. Okay. American dialect. My first question to her was, Orpheus is a unique monster. What inspired his image? A few things inspired Orpheus and the desk walkers in general. Part of it was that I've kind of always liked big furry monsters with skull heads, which is why I got into the anime The Ancient Magus Bride. Elias, the main character from that show, helped to build part of my desk walkers external qualities. While the other qualities, such as their emotional color, changing orbs, the way they form their beastly forms, the desire for a soul, which will cure their hunger, is all from me. I tell everyone I can about Orpheus's (laughs) dick since I read this book. How did you create such a masterpiece? Honestly, when I was thinking about his dick, the thought was, how fucked up can I make it? Then boom, tentacles and dick came to mind with fish fins. Each dusk walker has their own variation. I love that. <laughs> that sounds like what I would do. How fucked up can I make it? I love, I love it. I asked her, what was your favorite part to write? I love writing the smutty scenes. I also adore writing the heartbreaking scenes and I've cried at my desk a few times writing them. I bet that would be hard to do. What is the most difficult part to write? Filler is the most difficult part to write because this is where I really set the pace for the novel. If I don't have enough, the characters' interactions feel rushed. If I have too many, it makes it much more slow and boring. I try to have enough build as well as action to make everything work, which can be difficult when there is a lot of emotions to go through, especially fear and hesitancy. What's your favorite feedback you've gotten about the book? My favorite feedback is the amount of people who have never read Monster Romance suddenly loving it because of my books. I feel like I've opened a lot of doors for people and also made them feel comfortable about being their monster lover self. 
Amen. Why do you think women are drawn to the monster romance genre? Monster romance has empowered me to just be myself. I've always loved romance with a bit of a dark aspect. And monster romance is perfect for me to just love what I write. I do think it empowers other women because it means anyone can love and be loved no matter who or what we look like. Plus, we all have dark fantasies and it's nice to read something we otherwise wouldn't be able to consume within media. We also don't feel crazy or alone with our monster kink. We've had this argument on our show. Should the Beast, Disney's Beauty and the Beast, have remained in his Beast form or do you like his transformation? He totally should have stayed the Beast. She agrees with me, Ashley. She does agree with you, Allie. (laughs) I would have been hella disappointed if I was in Belle's shoes and he suddenly turned human. Belle fell in love with him as he was. Sure, the idea is to love him despite his exterior, which she does since the movie continues on with her happily ever after. But I think it would have been more powerful if she just loved him regardless of the change. A fucking men. Look at you and Opal. Who is another author you would recommend to our listeners? I have three recommendations for the authors I mainly read when I have time. Tiffany Roberts, Regine Abel, and Naomi Lucas, all of which are indie authors and write monster alien kind of romances. All of them together will absolutely have something that tickles someone's fancy. I loved it. I loved her answers. Yeah, that was so cool that she took time to, to answer our questions. It really too. was. Yeah, that means a lot for just a little nobody podcast like us. Oh, but not nobody. Oh. <laughs> We're We're international. We're international. We are in Australia (laughs) and Tunisia. (laughs) And we hit Sri Lanka this week. We did. We hit Sri Lanka. We're in Chile, Germany, France. (laughs) (laughs) Except after hearing you say that, no longer will someone from France (laughs) want to listen. But how can you say France normally anymore? I I have without going France. I honestly can say it normally. <laughs> I mean, I can too, but I don't even think about that. The desire is there for me. My desire is always to say Francais. Is that how you say it in French? I don't know. I, that is like an assumed way to say it on my part. I don't even know. Mon ami. Parlez-vous Francais. Mon ami, mi amour. No, that's, that's Spanish. Je m'appelle Ali. I, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. I said my name is Ali. Are you Poirot and I'm Hastings? Because that's what it feels like. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? There you go. Anyone else who loves Agatha Christie will know what I'm talking about. But he's Belgian, not French. But he speaks French. Okay, cool story. (laughs) (laughs) Opal recently released her third book in the Dusk Walker Brides series. We'll put our links in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. Once again, thank you, Opal. It was so generous of you to take time to respond to us. And now onward to the book. Our book begins with (laughs) Rhea, our female main character, being prepared to be taken by the Duskwalker who comes every 10 years to their village to collect a human companion. Rhea is an outcast in her village because she was the only survivor when demons attacked her family and ate them when she was only a child. She's considered a harbinger of evil that attracts demons. People in the village are ready to get rid of her by making her the next Duskwalker bride. Orpheus, the name of this Duskwalker, chooses Rhea because he doesn't smell fear on her and he will be less likely to eat her because of this. Duskwalkers, or Mavka as they are called inside the veil, 
are constantly hungry, and they will chase down anything, human, animal, or demon, that flees from them. The smell of fear really sets them off, and their eyes turn red when they are in attack mode. And actually, their eyes turn a wide array of colors depending on their emotions. And I, I would, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say they're called dusk walkers because they can walk in the day and the night. Demons can only come out at night. There are a couple instances where Rhea runs from him or bleeds because she's on her period and he barely keeps himself from eating her. <laughs> but because Rhea lacks fear, he is able to stop himself from doing so as he doesn't really want to eat her, but he can't control his hunger. And by this time, they are now, he's taken her back into the veil, which we will discuss in a little bit. Hannah, can you go ahead and describe Orpheus's appearance to us? Just the outer stuff, not the stuff that pops out. Not the, uh, but that's the. We're going to talk about it later. All right. Okay. So he has a skull head with two horns. What kind of skull is it? A, sh- a wolf. A wolf skull. It's a wolf skull. Why yeah. did I almost say sheep? What was the sheep? There was something with the sheep. There's impala horns. There's deer horns. Antlers. Yeah. He has the impala horns. He has the impala horns. So he's, you can see his, I wasn't prepared for when I guess he unrobed for the first time or something. And it wasn't mm-hmm. really, I don't, re- I don't remember the way she described it. I highlighted him in my kindle but i was like oh he's very bony yeah kind of like he has the exterior skeleton like an exoskeleton yeah, yeah. i wasn't prepared for that not all parts just some parts just are like right. a rib cage and yeah yeah like chest kind and of like in his hands yeah yeah um he has some lovely black fur covers from head to toe and claws. He has these things on his, I don't know how they were described in the book. I'm looking at him at the picture right now. Almost look like fins mm-hmm. on his yeah. like thin like legs or something. Yeah, and his arms. And his arms. A lot of stuff going on here. It is a little chaotic to say the least. He's got a lot. He's got a tail like a little curly mm. a t- curls like a deer. Yeah, that was really. I don't remember a deer's tail curling. Uh, yeah, I was like a deer's tail is like a little fluffy. Little... It's a fluffy little, I think a bambi. Yeah. Not like this. Maybe there's something in Australia that's different. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) And I didn't like how we just mention it, and it's just that one mention. And then then it's like, it's sensitive, and then we don't come back around to that. Yeah, I wonder if you didn't play with it it at all. Yeah. And the one thing I didn't like was the conversing. Like, he has a skull face, but he doesn't have lips. He has Mm -hmm. a tongue, but he doesn't talk like you and I talk. His a, mouth doesn't his move. His mouth doesn't mm-hmm. move, yeah. He does talk, but his mouth doesn't move. A voice just comes from him. For 180 years, Orpheus has been seeking a companion, a bride, to share his life with. And one requirement is that this person must give him their soul to keep, and they will be able to be safe and remain with him for eternity inside the veil, which is where the demons and the Mavka live. Orpheus actually has a cabin he has built where he has lived with his previous 18 companions, Rhea being his 19th. His previous companions, some of them ran away and were eaten by demons or sometimes by him because it triggered his hunger. And some just disappeared and he has no idea where they went. He's had both female and male companions, but none of them last in the veil, despite Orpheus doing his best to treat them well. Rhea, on the other hand, is tough and she isn't put off by the appearance of the Duskwalker. She just doesn't want to feel trapped and she is definitely hesitant about giving Orpheus her soul, but she 
isn't hesitant about getting that dick, <laughs> which we'll discuss in a moment. Feelings continue to grow between Orpheus and Rhea, but she is kidnapped by the demon king at the center mm. of the veil who hates the Duskwalkers because he can't kill them. But he uses her as bait because he has finally discovered how to kill them. You crush their skull. Orpheus comes to rescue Rhea, but the demon king throws a dagger in her back just as they begin to think they one and are safe. As Rhea is dying, she finally gives Orpheus her mm. soul and he eats it because they truly do love one another. Rhea then becomes a phantom who can take on a ghostly form and a physical form. And the book ends with a happily ever after because Rhea and Orpheus are together forever in the veil and they decide to go kill those mean people from her village. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the book ends. And I, obviously that was a very short synopsis. Yeah. A lot the main of points. But it's good. Yeah, you had uh, you the details it well. were left out. So questions. When do you consider this series to be taking place? What's the time period? If it was if let's say if this was our world, how did you picture what was the time period? I pictured like back in the day, seventeen hundreds. I pictured kind of dress. Like, like the Salem witch trials. That's exactly like when it talked about the village and everything. That's I kept what went thinking of the M. Night Shyamalan movie, yes, The Village. Yes, like that, the village, yeah, yes. Kind of aesthetic. Oh, that's a good movie. That twisted thing. They're both very wrong. Oh. oh. It actually takes place in the 2020s. <laughs> <laughs> but she like talks about only wearing no. dresses. And no. It takes place in the 2020s. It's dystopian. So what? in the 1700s, okay, the well, demons came into the world. So technology mm-hmm. did not advance, but they're thinking and they're... Though, so you know how she talks very like... Well, that was the thing that frustrated me. I was actually talking with someone and I said, I love the book, but my one critique was that I felt like it was a book that was written in the 1700s, but the dialogue was today. The di- that's why the dialogue is that's today. That's why the dialogue... Okay, that makes sense. It makes based- sense. And today, it would be today's time. Okay. It makes more sense. Because that was my, that really was one of my only critiques was I also had the, the critique of Rhea of she was ostracized and people didn't talk to her. So how because does she really have a really developed language? And then how does she really know about sex if nobody talked to her about sex? She had interactions with other people. They were just right. mean interactions. Yeah. Okay. But I'm like, there was still, she would have been by herself so much. Yeah. Like, how does she know things? I think she still got to go around the village. I think she still got to live a life. I just had questions. They just treated her very poorly. And at the beginning, she is talking to that priestess. We don't know a lot about her village life. It's so very skimmed. It's There's yeah. only, what, two chapters before he takes her or something? Maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's not in a lot of detail. It's fine because it's not the main premise of the book. And there and the reason I know this is because I went to the website and read. Okay. Went, went to Opal Rain's website. Anyway, I thought that was interesting when I discovered that. I was just reading on her website. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. And the land this takes place in is... Australia, but it's like a smaller version of Australia. It is a true, for me, which also, keep in mind, one of my first true monster romances, it was very original. Yeah, like it The is. setting, the storyline, just, I loved it. She said she wrote this during a vulnerable time in her life when her dad uh-huh. was sick. She'd written a previous book that had never been published, but then she wrote this while her dad was sick. And I think... Let me tell you, I can speak from experience that writing to deal with your trauma... It is very positive. Yes. Yeah. And she talks a lot about that on her website. She's very open about Mm. it. And I appreciate that about her because that is comforting to know that there's other people struggling. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that dick. <laughs> I love when we were all reading this, Allie's text. It's like, I'm going to need you to explain this. I don't understand. There are pictures on her website. It's opalrain.com. It's O-P-A-L-R-E-Y-N-E.com. You can go there, and if you click on the book, there will be pictures of art. I don't know if she's commissioned. She does have fan art on there, too, and you can see. You can actually see a... Yeah, I will say the fan art is helpful. Fan art is helpful, but it did not describe what it first looks like. So... The demons and the Duskwalkers have slits. I guess birds would also have Mm -hmm. these, other animals, where their dick does not actually protrude all the time from their body. It's inside their body (laughs) in a slit, and it comes out once it is needed or aroused. And Orpheus's dick comes out, and it is shaped like this Twizzler type of thing. If you imagine a Twizzler, if a Twizzler was squared, if it had right angles, but then also got smaller towards the tip. But then suddenly, those tentacles release once he gets more aroused, and we have this mushroom-shaped So that's the normal part of it? That's the normal part of it, mushroom-shaped tip. But he's also got these little fluffy (laughs) fins, like fish, around the tip of it, and like some going down the shaft of it. But the tentacles come out and wrap around legs they wrap around hips they touch other sensitive parts i was gonna say i kept waiting for the tentacle to go up up, up the arse i'm sure maybe Maybe in the next couple books a tentacle they have maybe one of those them has a tentacle that goes up and goes up above. and i think she said each they have a unique is kind of unique so we'll see yeah but orpheus uses his to hold on his tentacles and he uses his tentacles to rub her clit while he's pounding into her. That was fun. That was very <laughs> fun. There was a lot of sex in this book. How can you not when you're getting bathed twice a day? I was going to say, I think I enjoyed the like sex scenes, but I think the bath scenes were they more were sensual. I, I felt it more during those scenes. The chemistry. Than, yeah, because yeah, it's like he's bathing her and he starts off, he has to bathe her to mask her scent. He Mm -hmm. has this oil he used and he has some forms of magic that just come to him. He doesn't exactly know. He doesn't know where he comes from. To be such a humanoid form, it's because he's eaten humans and his intelligence has come from eating humans and it's the same thing with demons but he has a very human-like form because he's eaten a lot of humans and the more humans he eats he becomes more intelligent but this magic somehow just comes out of nowhere sometimes and he has developed a magic to be able to mask the scent of humans by bathing them and rubbing a particular oil on them and he has Mm. to do it because he has the magical abilities and he has to do it everywhere so there's no scent he starts off with gloves he's never bathed I think since his first companion, he hasn't bathed anyone without gloves. He uses gloves and therefore... And didn't it say that the gloves were because she she had to get it done twice a day? She had to get it done twice a day. Yeah, okay. With the because of with the, the gloves. gloves, like with that, once he took the gloves off, it was only the one time once a, day a day that it was needed because the magic was more powerful. Yep. But he has to bathe her twice a day. He cuts himself and lets some of his blood into the tub, and it fills up with this magical water. And then he bathes her with this oil from her head down to her toes, and he hits every single part. Mm-hmm. And at first, she's like, "Oh my god!" But when he hits her clit, he's like, <laughs> "She's like, oh!" and oh, holds onto oh. the tub. 
club. And eventually she asked him to not wear the gloves. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. These tub scenes, like the buildup. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Opal does a really nice job at that slow burn. So eventually during one of these tub scenes, she goes, why do your eyes turn purple? Because he's moved his hand down. He's on her mound. And he's behind her in all of this because he's yes. huge and he's reaching over yeah. her. And she goes, why do your eyes turn purple? And she goes, Orpheus, <laughs> are you aroused? Do you want me? And he's like, yes. She goes, <laughs> okay, I'm aroused too. And so then he plays around with her, fingers her a little bit, <laughs> sticks some fingers in. He's behind her. He's grabbing her breasts. And he makes her come in the bathtub. And that becomes a ritual. <laughs> That every time he has to bathe her, now without his gloves, that he... A well-scheduled orgasm every day. And eventually, I like the scene where she is sleeping in her bed, and she Mm. starts having a naughty dream about Orpheus. And he (laughs) apparently wakes up and smells something. He can smell the arousal. And and she wakes up, and all of a sudden, he is over her on all fours. And he starts sniffing her everywhere. He's like... (laughs) And then he moves down her neck. Because he doesn't realize it's something sexual. He yet. doesn't know he, what yeah. it is. Yeah, he he's just like, what's going on? But off. he yeah. does realize once he gets down to her pussy or her cunt, however you want her vagina, that. Because yeah, what did he call it first? Oh, and then her she, well. Her, her well. well. And she was like, <laughs> don't call don't it that. Don't call it that. Call it a cunt or a pussy. <laughs> Oh, well. Her well, he's like, oh, you're aroused. And then... He liked it. He liked it, and he starts licking, licking around. That was... I liked that scene. I, I did. I also liked it when he stuck his tongue down her throat, and he was choking her. <laughs> oh, he my God. Like, Choke on this dick. <laughs> it was his tongue. It was his tongue. I kept picturing, like, a cow's tongue. Yes. The whole time. And I also... I know it didn't describe this, but I actually... You saw a slit, like I a saw a slit? like a snake. Like mm. that's how I saw it. No, I didn't see that. Oh, no, I, I saw like a big, a long cow tongue. Pretty sure it's just just around like a yeah. circular. I was gonna say I, it, when I read what how it was described, I was like, that's not what I was thinking. And it's purple, and this is dingling. <laughs> They're purple. I wouldn't have liked that. I just don't like the color purple that much. Well, you should watch the movie and <laughs> before you pass judgment. That's our whole <laughs> podcast aesthetic is purple. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Wow, Allie. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey. Whoopi Goldberg. I promise I like the book and the movie. (laughs) Just the physical color of purple is not my favorite. (laughs) I know. It's probably because of years of misogyny where I felt like purple was a girl color. Okay. Now we have to change our whole whole aesthetic. I like the color green to olive green. <laughs> the rainy day smut brigade, olive green. Olive green. Our media name is literally Purple Umbrella Media. <laughs> and you agreed to it, Allie. I don't hate it. I just said it's not my favorite color. And now you and our podcast. Not liking the color purple. Come on. I love purple. <laughs> Well, you're I, stuck I, with an L, bitch. I was spoke out of turn. I I take it back. I love the color purple. It's my favorite. I'm so happy I caught that. So much of our merch is gonna have purple on it. I bet. Yes. So much of it already. You guys does. are gonna make me like begrudgingly if we do an event. Yes. You're gonna be like, you have to wear purple. <laughs> All right, back to the purple dick. <laughs> to the purple. Wait, what dick? Hold on. What color could it be? But what abnormal color would you like? 
I wouldn't mind green. I wouldn't mind green. Blue. Green is like, snotty. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would, I would a good color blue. green, it wouldn't bother me. Especially if he's got like real dark fur. And then the green, like it's a different color, but it blends really nicely. Camo dick? Yeah, well, I don't really like camo, but I like the colors of camo. Literally any color but like pink or purple. <laughs> I just don't like pink and purple. <laughs> I like that his eyes turn pink and purple when he's aroused or he's in the Yeah, world. I did I did think that, that was cute. And yellow when he's happy and proud. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I think that would be really handy. It would be. To, oh yeah. god, that'd be so handy. Yeah. I'm like, well, you need to learn the colors of my eyes. Okay. It's like a mood ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember when Reliant K had that song about mood rings? Ashley, no. <laughs> You liked Reliant K. I did like, I mean, they're big yeah. ones. Like that was Sadie the- Hawkins dance and stuff. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. I was homeschooled and super <laughs> Christian. Not Duggar Christian, not Duggar homeschooled. But yeah. Oh, God. I went down a TikTok rabbit hole about that the other day. Oh, they're so fascinating. God, that's the scary stuff right there. Not this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that purple monster dick all day. <laughs> Don't want none of that, Duggar. What if we could get Jim Bob in a room and we just... Made him listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> this is for covering up Josh's crimes. Now you have to listen to this. <laughs> I would be so Not happy. Jim Bob. Jim Bob. I love that idea. I think it would be just. It would be so fun. Justice. Ugh. Any other favorite smutty scenes? I. I like the one where they finally end up back together. And he pinched the grass. There is artwork well, on the website. Vibe. Oh, really? Ooh. I'm going to go look at that. Yeah. What did you say the website was again? Her Opal, name? OpalRain.com. Okay. Yeah, I really liked it. I felt like it was not super fair to him since he had been through something so traumatic. Yeah. I think it would have been easier for him to have a really loving coupling. And then mm. the next time she's like playful and come and get me. Oh, you caught feelings for Orpheus. Well, the whole there. book, I was like, I like Orpheus. And if she runs from him, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah. Because he was trying so hard mm. and he was he so obviously so mm-hmm. like, whatever you want, I'll do it for you. What? How can I help you? Never once was he trying to be selfish in what he did for her. He he was constantly having to change himself for her. And he, it was so obvious that he just wanted her to stay. And I was like, if she leaves him, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. Well, she did that one time. She did. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't necessarily. Got by a giant spider. <laughs> I can't necessarily blame her because I think if I was in the same situation, I yeah. would be looking you to do leave the same. You. Especially I get where she's coming from feeling imprisoned. Yes. And even when she was with him, she still wasn't totally free. I can understand that feeling. Yeah. But I really liked Orpheus and I didn't want him hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about him that was just so yeah, sweet he's and so touching. Sweet and yeah, kind. how he got a place for her to sit in the garden and be in the sunshine. As you're saying, this is what I'm looking at on the computer. Is it the picture? Yes, that's it. That's it right there with the flame. Why is everyone always so fucking wet? In the fan art, because they don't take well in that one, it is part of his anatomy that, that is, he that is, is true wet. Yeah, yeah. because it's slick that he produces. Yeah, he has like so. Yeah, that doesn't just come out of the slit mm-hmm. at the top; it comes from the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, but I so back to the original point of I was saying I really liked that scene, but I think for Orpheus, he had re- just been like 
through losing her and thinking she was dead. So I didn't think it was necessarily the time for him to have to chase after her after he had literally just chased after her and she died. Yeah. So I was like, let's let the man heal from his trauma for (laughs) one day. Because he's literally running around. Yeah. Like he is so traumatized. Like he's still shaking and she's like disappearing and she's like, come and get me. And he's like, that's my fear is that you'll leave me. Yeah. I didn't think about that until you've. Yeah, it, like, it, it just bothered now, me in the moment. I was like, eh, this just doesn't I feel right. It. I felt, I did feel that emotion, but also I got what she was trying to do. She was trying yeah, to take yeah. him out of that and bring out it. the hunter yeah. in him so yeah. that he could be happy. Right, be happy. yeah. And Didn't like me. communicating to him that he can be who he is fully yeah. with her. Yeah, I got what she was doing. I just was like, it was a little sad. maybe let's make some love and then do that. <laughs> yeah, because they have a lot of sex and we don't necessarily talk about it. Right, about. They yeah. have sex all like the all, time. Like he can't well, yeah. not be in her. And when they have sex, it's for long periods of time. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. He has to, and he has to change her wound, like her inside, to make her, he does a scratch on her and does magic to make himself fit inside of her because he's so big. I did think that was interesting. <laughs> I liked when he was saying, talking about how they have sex all the time, and he was like, I can't go by her without wanting to do her, and we do it all over the place. And then he's like, my favorite is over the table, and her legs just dangle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because she's tiny. She's little. Because the table is built for him. She's only (laughs) 5'2". Yeah. And so, like, that is just funny, like, visually. Yeah. (laughs) And the way that he's like, because her legs just dangle and kick. Yes. I like the kissing. I know it's weird. Yeah. But. It's weird. I liked that all they do is tongue stuff. It's kind of different. I thought it was cute, but I also was like, I think it would really suck to, like, never be be able to, like, actually French kiss. Yeah, well, she does the kiss human him way, on yeah. his everywhere jaw. Yeah, like she stuff. can do like a, but she can't. But really, their tongue. I just like have to, to be kissed. I like kissing. Yeah, I would miss that. Well, like, not just the tongue stuff, but just you know, I mean, a kiss. But I also like he does have a good tongue, so he is making it up to her in other ways. Yes. I was even talking like he does like really sensual like licks on her. Yeah, neck he does. And stuff yeah, like that, he which does. I think he is does. really like arousing. He takes a Ooh. lot of time with her. I also loved when she woke up and his dick was still inside her. Yeah, I was mm. like that's nice because sometimes you just like the feeling of it just sitting. Just sitting there. I agree. Like when you're stuffed. Yeah, before it <laughs> rivels because before it's it goes cold outside. <laughs> I would say my favorite scenes, and I don't know if you would call them smutty, but, smutty, but they're the bathtub scenes. Okay, I think yeah, you did say that. that to it, yeah. That's what I said. Did you, you said that too? Bathtub scenes? Okay. Yeah. All right. Would you consider reading other books in the series? Yes. Yeah. I wish they were on Audible. Yeah, she's working on it. I would definitely, this is something I could listen to while I'm like uh, while I'm doing stuff around the house. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would like that. Yeah, I would read the second one. I will admit that at some points during this book, I was a little bored and I wanted the it filler. to move a little quicker because um, it's a pretty long book. It yeah. is just thick. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I'm hoping that with like the second one, she has like refined her storytelling a little I bit. I believe she yeah. has. Just yeah. by looking at her website, looking at the world building that mm-hmm. I see, yeah. I haven't read the second book, but it, it looks like it. And she did didn't expect really anyone to read this yeah well and then when i pulled and it when you sent it to me insane. and then i pulled it up i was like oh my goodness this is like pretty popular yeah yeah like it's got a ton it's got over ten thousand yeah, reviews I was say like thousands and thousands yeah and i'm really i really enjoyed the parts with the other mavka and yes! then yes! like calling him stupid and Aww. him being like so like 
he's innocent like, what? and sweet. I believe he's the one who gets a, a companion next. Yes. Yeah, I think so. In the next book. Yeah. So I was like, I definitely, I just want to see more of him and how he grows. Yes. Because he's so just endearing, I felt like. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you were Rhea... Would you have given Orpheus your soul? Is he a keeper or would you just rather die? <laughs> I don't want to die. Well, I think even without the dying aspect, I would keep Orpheus. He's yeah. a sweetheart. I think he's yeah. lovable, teachable. Yeah. Just there to literally serve you. <laughs> I thought the little cooking scenes were cute. Oh my God, when he's trying to learn how to cook. I'm watching her, even though he doesn't like it. Yeah. And then when she made him that thing, and he's like, I'm going to hang it. The bell. Well, no, when she first made that original protection thing, and he's like, I'm going to remake another one so I can keep this one and put it over my bed so I can look at it. Oh, he's so (laughs) Yeah, like he's so sweet and genuine and just perfect man. All right, ladies. What vibrator setting is this book? A one, a two, or a three? I would give it a two for me. Maybe like a 2.5. That's high yeah. praise from Allie. I'm about saying like a, a two. I could go up a little bit, but I would average out to about two. I'm going to say a 2.5. 2.5. Are we rounding up? We are. Oh. <laughs> what does this mean? Does this mean it's our first three? No, it's not. <gasps> Wait, I oh. think we gave another one a three. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember. We're so far into this podcast now, Ashley. <laughs> We're on episode, what is it? We this can't is, remember. This will be technically 11 because of the bonus episode, but this is the book 10. Oh, look at us. So are we rounding up to a three? Oh, I far- say we do it because those, those tub scenes. I think, and, yeah. I think. And the tongue, okay. the dip. It has so a lot. that vibrator is on the third setting, the highest setting. The highest it'll go. And it is getting us there. And it is like. Oh. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I always want it to Ew. be a three just because of that. Just because of that. All right. Next week, we will be discussing Faking with Benefits, a contemporary Why Choose Romance by Lily Gold. Allie will be leading that discussion, and she chose the book. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. This show was produced by Allie, Ashley, and Hannah. You can follow us on Instagram and our website, therainydaysmutbrigade.com. If you visit there, you can learn more about us or buy some Smut Brigade merch. You can email us with any questions or book recommendations at therainydaysmutbrigade at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us a high rating on your podcast platform and share with your friends as this helps us so much, you guys. And as we like to say, good sex to you. And good sex to you. And In the 1700s. Uh, are we bowing? Sec- we're bowing. We're doing our to funny the demon motions. <laughs> good sex to you, Orpheus and Rhea. Good sex to you all. We're out. Down tonight.